but you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you hoped you'd never hear again. I am Dave! This is an open letter. This is not the start of an NFL football game. My name is Dave. This is, again... Sorry about teasing everybody. Yeah, I know. Everyone got excited because they're like, oh, football. Although there are a lot of people, of course, who would not be excited to hear that music because it means they maybe have lost a loved one for a good three or four hours every Sunday, if not longer. Are you a big NFL fan, Chad? Not as much as a college fan, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know... I know your allegiances in college football are the same as mine. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe uh, probably about the same amount of uh, being a rabid fan, I would think. Michigan, go blue. You know, I wouldn't say rabid. Wouldn't you? But I would say that I am a huge fan. Yeah, but I, I would... am not one of those people who will start a fight with people in the stadium <laughs> because they're the opposing team. No. So here is the off-the-cuff question. We are going to talk about football today, which is a little bit weird for our uh, podcast. But we feel like we needed to address uh, an item that is a super hot topic right now. And it's something a lot of people are talking about, whether they are involved in football or a fan or not. And that is the whole idea of kneeling during the national anthem. And there's been a lot said about it. There's been a lot on Facebook there's been tweets, and it's you had you could spend hours and hours and hours reading, but we're gonna jump into that in a minute. We got a couple guests on the phone, but to start with, we are gonna do our off the cuff question. Just Chad and I here today in the studio. In the studio, today's question is this: Which football teams or sports teams do you really highly dislike? <laughs> Ohio State. Ohio State. Oh, how I hate Ohio State. We, if you are Ohio State fans, um, be know, offended. You, <laughs> you know, here's the thing, Chad. Is I am a I'm a huge fan, and um, Ohio State has you. But you got you got to give them respect, in my opinion, because they've owned Michigan over the last ten years. You know that might be true. Yeah. But lately they've been extremely overrated and I don't understand why. Overrated. It's kind of like Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they could I swear Notre Dame could field uh they could have all junior high kids and they would make the top 10 preseason uh rankings. That see that's how I feel about Ohio State because yeah. it's like you have Urban Meyer and since Urban Meyer on, they've been on top. But last year yeah. they lost to Clemson, Badly. not even scoring a single point. Badly. Why were they even the top 4? I don't and know. this year, it's like they started in the top four, and then they've barely beat Indiana, and then they lose to uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah, and Oklahoma State's a good team. But um, so anyway, we are obviously recording this in the fall in 2017. It is the September. This would 30th. be the um, the the um, September before the Lions win the Super Bowl. You well, it is assuming that they win it sometime in the next 40 years. This would be a September before they win the Super Bowl. I don't. I'm not convinced we're going to see it in our lifetime. Do you have an NFL team that you dislike? An NFL team that I dislike. You really dislike above and beyond all others. 
That would probably be the Cowboys. Cowboys. I'm with you on that too, man. I really, the team I hate more than any other in all sports is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Number two is the Cowboys. Number three is the, the New York Yankees. And um, I don't mind the New York Yankees. I actually had family that played for them. That played for them? Played for them, yeah. My uh, great wow. uncle's son. Oh. So that would be my mother's cousin played for the Yankees. His name was Bob Tewksbury. I've heard of Tewksbury. I mm-hmm. follow uh, sports pretty closely. Although I will say that I don't really like a lot of the, When we go back to college football here, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the SEC. I get sick of all the SEC is dominant. And they were for a long time, but I think it's kind of coming back yeah. around. Yeah, Alabama's kind of getting on my nerves. Do we have Coach D? Can he hear us? Is he? Because uh, I, I would like to see if we can get Coach D's opinion on this a second. Coach D, can you hear me? Sure. Um, so Chad and I, we, we always start the podcast off with something I like to call off the cuff, where we just kind of, we ask a question which may or may not be related to our topic. The question today, Coach D, is this, is do you have a sports team that you despise? And who is it? Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. I have several, actually. Well, tell us. <laughs> Don't say Michigan. Um, much to you guys are dismay, I despise Michigan football. Oh! I, I despise everything maize and blue. I respect them, <laughs> and I have. I've have I've had relatives and friends who have played for Michigan. But without going into great detail, my family and my wife and I are not Michigan fans, although we are a house divided with uh, two of my kids are Michigan fans, two of my other kids are Michigan State fans, and they're fun. That makes it fun. Of course, I despise Central Michigan because I'm a proud Western Michigan grad. And uh, I'm with you guys. I despise the Dallas Cowboys with yes. every fabric of my being. Solidarity. Um, I am a lifelong Pittsburgh Steeler and Chicago Bears fan, so I love the old rivalries where the uh, Steelers used to beat the Cowboys in the Super Bowl the majority of the time. Terry Bradshaw, I don't like the Yankees. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, the, the good old days. And I, I, love I don't that. like the Yankees too much. I, I, I wouldn't say I hate them. I don't think I have a, a baseball team that I really despise. Um, I'd probably say, yeah, not, I'm, I'm, I'm close to despising the Lions. The Steelers, though. If you look at Steelers and the Cowboys, they always say Steelers are America's team. They're the America's team. But you see, the common man, the guy who works in the factory, who is a Steeler probably. So to me, the Pittsburgh Steelers represent what America is really all about. Most certainly not Cowboys. I agree. No, I'm with you on that one, Coach D. Um, I... Grew up in, uh, of course, I'm 50 years old now, and and the what? I know late 70s and 80s. I of course it was Cowboys Steelers. Seemed like every Super Bowl, and for whatever reason, I chose the good guys. I was a big Steelers fan. Uh, yeah, and I was always you know all those classic names and all those classic. But you had to respect the Cowboys. I just thought it was always yeah. arrogant that they're like, oh, we are now we're giving ourselves the title of America's team. I always thought that was I a little agree. arrogant. I agree. They had uh, they had this cockiness, arrogance about them, and what I loved about the Steelers and the Bears of those eras is that they were just about their business. They were, like Chad said, blue collar. Just go to work, bring your lunch pail, put in a hard day's work, yeah. and do it the right way. And I remember watching with my dad when I was younger, and before I started playing football, and he sat me down. And he said, "This is how you play football." Yeah, and, and Coach D, even though I was, I am a Lions fan, much to my chagrin. Um, I never uh, hated on the Bears. I always respected them, and even their Super Bowl run. Well, I think it was '84. 
was I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's that's fine with me that they won. Oh, yeah. Now that they're the laughing stock of the league, especially wow. those were fond memories. But now they're awful. They <laughs> are. Bears. <laughs> bears. Hopefully within my lifetime they'll they'll come back, but we'll see. I think, um, I think they will. We're house divided, too. My family are half lions, half bears. So when my brothers and I get together, we have uh, good conversations around lunch and some good heated conversations about Super Bowls and things like that, but it it's all in good fun. It sounds like a mythical character, half lion, half bear. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah. Sounds like a fantasy creature. <laughs> um, Would that be a lair or a buy-in? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'm not buying any of it. So anyway, <laughs> we, uh, It'd be a lot of bad memories over the last 10 years. That's what that creature would give us. They've been to that. <laughs> Nightmares. Um, that's right. That's appropriate, the crickets. So what we're going to do here is we are going to get on with the main portion of the show here, and we're going to talk about, again, this topic that is just all over the place. You can't get away from it, and I apologize we're adding to that chorus of voices, but we feel like it's important. Again, kind of the main point of this podcast is to talk about topics that we think the church either is ignoring or maybe isn't addressing very well. But we do have, probably hopefully going to have a couple guests today. Our first guest today is Coach D., and uh, so here's what we're going to do, Coach D. I want you to tell people a little bit about who you are as you talk about your expertise and your experience. It'll make sense why we've asked you to be on the show. So, Coach D, could you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Um, currently, I work with uh, my pastor, J.R. Pittman, on his radio program, Ignite Radio, where I do the sports portion called Sports Talk with Coach D. Yeah, I heard you got I've a really a- good-looking producer who is just a fantastic guy. Yeah. Can you do the cricket news have- again? That, no. that's a, I've, I've actually never seen that person. I only just see normally Jr. But um, <laughs> other than that, it's pretty good. But I produce a good guy. He's got bad taste in football. But Ouch. other than that, he's a pretty good guy. But uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, he, he's my buddy, so he's never he's never steered me wrong. So I, I greatly appreciate and respect that for sure. So it's um, it's been fun. It's a great great show. We have a lot of fun, but we really dive into good topics. So I really appreciate my portion is talking about sports, and especially from a believer's perspective, and what I believe sports is intended through God's Word and God's will, especially towards younger athletes. As a coach, I've I've coached for over 20 years. I've coached from middle school football and basketball, high school basketball. I've worked as an assistant coach at Aquinas College. I've worked as an intern at Wayne State where I got my graduate degree. I've worked with the Detroit Pistons for Community Relations. So I've been coaching on a large uh, scale of uh, sports and athletes throughout the spectrum, and it has been a tremendous opportunity to mentor, to teach, to father uh, in terms of being a father figure for a lot of athletes to teach life lessons, which I believe sports is a great tool to do. I've also been a football player. I started at the age of five, and a knee injury my senior year ended my my, uh, football career but that really uh, springboarded me into coaching because I still love football, still love coaching, and still love the camaraderie and the lessons that coaching taught me. So um, here I am now getting a chance to do what I love to do. I also train coaches. I've done that for several years, Uh which is a a lot of fun. Any coach will tell you that if all they had to do was X's and O's in practice, their job would be easy. I bet. But most of coaching is not on the field or on the court. It's dealing with, and working with people with their issues, with their personalities, their joys, their sorrows, their everyday challenges. It really is about building people, and the great coaches understand that. 
Absolutely. So I appreciate you being on the show, Coach. I want to talk a little bit about first kind of how this all started with taking a knee and what uh, yeah. what it means. So, so basically what happened was, and I kind of pulled up, I got some research here. It was in August, on August 14th last year, Colin Kaepernick, who was the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, was not in uniform at the time, and he decided to sit on a bench during the National Anthem. And yes. really nobody, nobody noticed this. No one really said anything about it. And he kept doing it. And two weeks later, on the 26th of August, or 12 days later, uh, a photographer photographed him sitting on the bench. And then that's when it started to gain steam. And now you're reading a lot of things about this, about who Colin Kaepernick is. And we're not going to go too far down that rabbit trail. Um, although yeah. we, we are going to reference him because this is kind of where it all started. So basically what happened is, Mr. Colin Kaepernick, then instead of sitting on the bench because people weren't really sure why he was doing it, and he started talking about it a little bit. And then what happened was is there was a guy, from what I understand, what I've read, is there was a veteran that had been an NFL football player, and he sat and he talked with him, and they wanted to come up with a, his name's Nate Boyer, who was a retired Green Beret and former NFL player, um, he's Kaepernick, uh, and Eric Reed where this is a, in a piece for, by the New York times, on uh, the 25th of September, um, of this year, it says after hours of cons- careful consideration and even a visit from Nate Boyer, a retired green beret and former NFL player, we came to the conclusion that we should kneel rather than sit the next day during the anthem as a peaceful protest. We chose to kneel because it's a respectful gesture. I remember thinking our posture was like a flag flown at half mast to mark a tragedy. And then uh, Boyer, the guy who they went to to say, how, sh- how- we want to make a statement and we're not- we want to make sure we're doing it in a p- respectful way. So this is from a CNN town hall broadcast. Uh, Kalanick says the Kaepernick reached out and we were able to sit down together for a couple hours before the last preseason game last year. It's really cool uh, to hear him just listen and be very open-minded too, and say, look, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt your brothers and sisters. I showed him text messages of friends of mine, and some of them were saying I was a disgrace to the Green Braves because I was even meeting with him. And some of them were like, I'm with you, man, but it really hurts to see that. And then he says, so when I talked to them, it was mutual. Me, him, and Eric Reed said, I think maybe taking a knee would be a little bit more respectful. It's still a demonstration. You're still saying something, but people take a knee to pray. So for me, it was a common ground at least to start from. And again, those were words from uh, Mr. Nate Boyer. So, Coach D, we've got the president tweeting about this. We've got whole teams, the whole NFL, in some way, shape, or form last Sunday. Uh, I was watching the Lions game because I am a glutton for punishment. And, uh, and some, some people were kneeling, some weren't. And fans now in the last week are burning jerseys on YouTube. What's your take on all this? Well, I have multiple perspectives on this, and I think that, uh, let me preface my comments by saying um, I grew up in a military family. Okay. My father was a drill sergeant who served and uh, saw combat in Korea. I have uh, my oldest, my father's oldest brother was in the military. On my mom's side, three of her brothers served in the military, in the Air Force, two in the Navy. Okay. Uh, my father is no longer alive. He passed many years ago. But one of my uncles, whom I'm very close with, actually he's my football buddy where we go and watch games every Friday. I asked him specifically about that, how he felt about the protest and kneeling before the flag. 
And as a veteran, he said he had no problem with that because that was one of the reasons why he served and he fought for us to have the right, those freedoms, to protest in a peaceful manner. Right. Now, we've heard that universally from one side, and we've heard the disgrace to the military on the other side. But I think it's really important that we revisit in terms of what you mentioned about Colin Kaepernick, the research he did and the work that he's done, and the statement that he has made that it has nothing to do with disrespect of the military or the flag or the anthem, but is making a statement against what is taking place with people of color in this country. Which right. has, and, and as a black man myself, and I want to inform everyone, this has never gone away. It's always been, it's been taking place from the dawn of time of this country's inception, so it hasn't been as if this is some new phenomenon. Right. But with the onset of social media and greater media media coverage, we have a greater exposure to what's taking place. As far as the, the current issue with, with President-elect Trump, I am I'm somewhat, uh, I'm in favor of any type of peace, peaceful protest, regardless of who does it. If it is a peaceful protest, and I'll say this, and I know this is not popular, in light of what happened with Charlottesville and the, the actions that took place down there, yeah. if those gentlemen were marching and they were peacefully protesting and violence didn't break out, they had the right to do so, whether I agreed with it or not. Right. Um, what I don't like is, and I'm really surprised that a lot of, there hasn't been a lot of outlash as much as possible with the flying of swastikas and Confederate flags, because to me, that is a direct spit in the face of the country, and that's far more, quote-unquote, unpatriotic than kneeling before the flag. Kneeling has always been a universal symbol or gesture of respect. Um, we kneel before kings and queens. We, we've knelt before. <laughs> we kneel before our spouses when we propose to them. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this, so, Coach D. If it's a sign, yeah. that, and I'm and I'm going to play, I'm going to play the opposite side here. Um, Absolutely. And, and Chad and I are going to get into our personal opinions, kind of afterward. I'm talking with you and another guy. I think I was going to get you to call in. So if they're, so you're saying they're kneeling to show respect for the flag. Well, I, I think that the kneeling is is drawing attention because they're not standing, right. but it's not disrespectful to the flag. It's not Sitting is far more disrespectful because it shows a nonchalant, apathetic attitude and posture. I saw a picture of someone sent me on Facebook of a session of Congress where they were playing the national anthem, and about eight congressmen were sitting. They didn't stand. They didn't put their hand over the heart. They didn't sing the national anthem. They were sitting. And they weren't all black congressmen. There were a lot of white congressmen that were doing so. And for me, and it's it's really interesting how things can be twisted. And, and President-elect Trump has, is, in, in his own way, has twisted this issue. And the NFL now, the standing and the locking of arms and the kneeling, kneeling have nothing to do, in my opinion, with Colin Kaepernick's original protest. It is a direct protest to the comments that President Trump made. I agree. And... The, the slurs and the, the very ignorant and spiteful statement he made towards the black players. So Although you, he said it wasn't racist, but it, it was it was towards the black players, and it showed solidarity by the league rather than we support what Colin Kaepernick's message is. So those are two very different issues that we have to really be careful that we understand that. So do you feel like, talk, talk to me a minute about how you think President Trump twisted this message. You have a man kneeling during the national anthem, obviously drawing a lot of attention to himself. Uh, yeah. he, he makes millions and millions of dollars. He's at yeah. his place of work. 
What? Why is he hijacking the NFL and trying to draw attention to himself? And that's these are some of the arguments I've heard. Sure. Well, first of all, let's be realistic. You can never one individual can never hijack the NFL. That's not going to happen. A multi-billion-dollar business will not be hijacked by one individual. Now, a group of individuals can cause attention and create a movement, but we have seen this take place throughout our history. Um, President Trump, the way he twisted it, in my opinion, was he was attacking those players who were kneeling, saying they're disrespectful to our flag and to our anthem. And, you know, of course, the famous quote of, go down there and, and, and pay to say that SOB, you're fired. Right. You know, that, that is, and, and, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there is legislation, I believe it's constitutional, that no one can uh, force anyone into an act of patriotism on any level of office. So, and I'll just, I'll just say this, so if President Trump does not, is not giving his tax forms or not allowing the public or whatever the case may be about seeing his, his income tax, uh-huh. or if he has um, for some reason evaded the draft, or if he's done something that's particularly unpatriotic. No one's raising a big fuss about that. But this is an issue, especially in, in, in the time of our country, where we've had multiple hurricanes. Puerto Rico is basically underwater. There are millions of American citizens who are struggling. And I think that in, in the president's position, your focus should be on those things. North Korea, right. the, the, the things that really jeopardize our country, not football. Well, and, and that being regard, I think mean, I think that he, it's a deflection. It's, that's what I mean by it being twisted. He's deflected in a lot of ways the real issues and challenges that our nation is facing right now. Being concerned about wealthy individuals who are basically conducting their constitutional right to freedom of speech and a peaceful protest. Coach, do you, where do you see this going? I mean, we and, and again, it's ever since it's been a boiling pot for many years, but it feels like over the last period of time like for personally me i take a look at the racism and i take a and i've come a long ways in my views on racism and what i think is being racist and i uh, came from a very conservative position which people in this that listen to this show know that this recent election and these events are they creating a divide or are they just revealing the divide that is an excellent question and i tell you i believe in my opinion i believe that this recent election, and, you know, as believers, we, we all understand and believe that nothing happens without God allowing it to happen. And I had that conversation with my children who were very upset, and I said, listen, God has allowed this man to be in office because for some way or another he is going to serve God's purpose. And God's going to get glorified for this. And we have to understand who, that, that the president, no matter who the president is, past, present, or future, is never the leader of the church. Right. We know who Amen. our leader is. We know who we know who our king is, and so I believe that um, God has allowed President Trump in office to expose some of the things that our country has had deeply hidden into our hearts. It's like a wound. In order to treat a wound, they have to clean the wound, and I think this is a cleansing process for us. That hopefully in the future we will begin to come together and heal finally as a nation. I think we have swept racism under the rug for so many decades and that's the reason why in my opinion it's called the elephant in the room that we've never really addressed it if you think about it it's not human nature to address something that's not comfortable we want to always try to find some type of common ground that involves the least amount of resistance 
or differing of opinions. And I think we can no longer afford to do that. In my belief, this is a wake-up call to the church more than anyone else in America, that we as a church have to come together because we have not been together. Right, right. So it's what really we, hurtful. Yeah, yeah. So what do we... So you... What do we do? I mean, what's what's the action? What are the conversations? This is now being brought to the surface. There's these people who say, you know, no way. These people are way out of line. There's no way. They're disrespecting the military. They're disrespecting the, disrespecting the country. Um, you've got people on that side, and then certainly you've got the people down in Charlottesville who are like, no, no, we, you know, you've got Nazis and, uh, and white supremacists yeah. out there. And then you've got the, the, the another side that's like, no, we need to be, like you're saying, we need to become aware these are real issues, they're important issues, and we have to bring attention to it in, in peaceful ways, in whatever ways we can. So how do we start to reconcile all this? I think we start by, we're, we have to really acknowledge where we are. Uh, the scripture clearly says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Amen. And yeah. that's a direct message to the church. And as a church, I think we have to begin there. We have to come together and be the church. I was once asked by someone, well, what church do you go to? Is it a black church? Um, do you go to this church? And I said, no, I go to a church. We're not the black church. We're not the Asian church. We're not the Spanish church. We're not the Korean church. We're not the Dutch church. We are the church. Right. And I think followers of Christ have to understand that first, that we are the church. And the Scripture talks about that. If one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. Yeah. And I think that that's really the starting point for us. I think philosophically a lot of believers don't follow that. We don't follow the Word of God. If we took God's Word as His Word, I believe the direction I clearly stated there. Well, you know, it, love covers a multitude of sins. We, I mean, we can go on about Scripture all day long, yeah. but we have to put those things into practice. I think we have to move past the conversation stage of where we are and start moving forward into what can we do, what should we do, how do we make this work? I think it's I a, think those are critical points. I think it's a good point you make there, and my pastor uh, says it all the time, is we have a lot of believers out there who just don't read the Word of God at all. They, yeah. don't, they don't read the Bible. They, they're told what it says. It's almost and like... And I think that's becoming more evident in this absolutely. situation. And that's one of the things where I can see where you're saying that God is going to take this and use it, but a lot of times when we think God is going to take something and use it, we're like, oh, things are going to get better right away. And it's like, yeah. I think it's going to get worse before this hopefully starts to get better. You know, what well, I see... I think it has to get worse because, again, let's go back to the wound analogy. If you have a torn ACL, before they can do any surgery, they have to take the swelling out of the inflammation yeah, to make right. sure there's no infection. Then they do the surgery, then becomes the rehab and the step-by-step -step process. I think it's the same type of uh, comparison with what we're dealing with in our country. I think that this could bring up a whole new issue, especially within the church. Um, and I'm going to be bold and say, especially within the white conservative portion of the church, where politics and nationalism yeah. get mixed in with the faith and people don't really realize and i think we've mentioned this on this podcast before yeah uh, there's citizenship in the kingdom of god and then there's citizenship in the united states and the citizenship yeah. of the kingdom of god should take precedent over the citizenship of the united states and we had an interesting yeah. guest our last guest we had on was a friend of mine a pastor uh, craig appell and uh, we had a really interesting conversation about nationalism mixed with Christianity and how that could be a toxic mix because you yeah. start to forget where your true identity is from 
And the goal of the empire of America often will, and almost always, the the agenda of an empire is always going to conflict with the uh, the kingdom of God. Yeah, patriotism and nationalism, and all the arguments. And I'm just going to be bold and say this: patriotism, nationalism, and all the issues that we have faced around these issues has become idolatry yeah. for many believers in this country. Agreed. We have pledged. We have we have become loyal to political parties to a cloth, to a song, and we have placed that above our loyalty, our commitment, our dedication, our service to Christ. And, even, and, 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 and our love and unity with each other. Yes, because if you read all the stanzas of the National Anthem, there shouldn't be any black person that would stand for that. Well, and, that is a direct call to action against black people, and it, it's very brutal. And again, I have the utmost respect for the military. I've had many members of my family serve. As a coach, one of the greatest privileges I had, I got selected to do a basketball camp at the U.S. Naval Academy, where I got to coach youngsters from all over the country. I met officers, I met midshipmen, I met new recruits, and it was the greatest experience as a coach. Right right, right up there with everything else I've had. And I was in tears because I was allowed to witness something that my relatives participated in, the Naval Academy. I I was allowed to see that. I was allowed to talk to people. And do you know, no one was um, without unity there. They all stood together. They all had the common yeah. purpose. They all had the common mission. And it really hurts me, and, and I, I, I sympathize and empathize with anyone in the military that feels offended. Yeah, me and too. And there's no way that we can tell them that they're wrong because of their service. And I wish yeah. that there was a better way that they could understand or we could create an understanding or a conversation that this has nothing to do with disrespect of the military or the flag. It has nothing to do with that. Now, when you I, see people wear the flag as a bandana, a T-shirt, a skirt, Ed Rock cut a hole in it and made it a poncho. <laughs> well, okay? Yeah. To me, that's disrespectful. Yeah. I, I, I want to make it clear, too, for myself personally, I have many, I have multiple friends who have been in the, and family members who have been in the military, and I, I respect their service and I respect the military, and I, and I know that I'm very, very blessed to be living in this country as an American. There are many rights I have. Absolutely. And those are, those are because the military was out. You know, of course, the popular thing is World War II. You know, Absolutely. would we be Nazis? So I'm not trying to say, you know, hey, let's spit on the flag. The flag means nothing. But again, like you said, that piece of cloth and that song can never, for me, stand above my beliefs sure. and my actions as a Christian. And how about this? The flag is supposed to be symbolic of what America is supposed to stand for. And America is supposed to stand for liberty and justice and freedom for all, not for some portion of the population, not for a particular gender, not for a particular ethnic group, but for all citizens. And again, Donald Trump is not the author, he's not the, the conspirator, he's not the originator of this issue, but he's someone that has been used as a catalyst to expose more of what we are going through in this nation and the healing that we need to go through on every level. And um, if it were up to me, there should be no veteran in this country that should be homeless, Agreed. that should be without any benefits. The veterans, uh, much like our educators, should be treated with the utmost respect and utmost opportunities. They should have health care for life for them and their families, and it should not be an issue to have to get that health care no matter what it is that they're dealing with. So yeah. we, our country has not our country has not honored our veterans. Our country has, has, in a large way, turned their back on our veterans. Our veterans have not been treated the way they should be for their service and their commitment and their sacrifice to the country. 
So it has far yeah. more to do with that than a player kneeling on a Sunday because what they're doing right now, and I want everybody to understand this, in my opinion, what they're doing right now is showing solidarity against the attacks and comments that Donald Trump has put on the NFL, not necessarily the message that Colin Kaepernick uh, conveyed last year. Some of them are still involved with that. And remember, too, for a history lesson, it wasn't until 2009 that players were required to be on the field for the anthem. Yeah. And in 2012, the Department of Defense began playing, paying yeah. NFL teams for what they call <laughs> patriotic salutes as gonna... a way to recruit and to do more recruiting. So well, We're going to bring, we're gonna bring that up. We're going to yeah, bring so that let's up. Really, so let's really get to the court. We will. You, know, you can't really address the issue unless you have all the information, so I'm glad you guys are covering that. We're going to do it. So... We are going to welcome a guest for the first time to our show on an open letter. It's a friend of mine I've known for a long time, lives over in the Flint area. His name's Jeremy, and uh, he is a former Marine. And as we're talking about this topic of kneeling during the anthem, um, I really respect Jeremy, his service to our country. Uh, so, Jeremy, could you first off just start to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Jeremy. I grew up in the Flint area. Um, I My family has always had a pretty heavy military presence. Um, they've been quite involved in that. Um, when I was 18, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, and I served in a time of relatively low conflict. I served honorably for four years, and then I got out. Um, seen lots of different things while I was in, and I mentioned relatively low in conflict, especially because in recent times we've had a heavy presence in different areas of the world. One of the things that I got to do is be involved in uh, certain combat situations and see things that most people didn't see when they were in the in the military during the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, after four years, I uh, got out, got married, and now I'm a federal employee in the area, and... So um, yeah, and so you you're, you're you identify as a Christian. Yes, and uh, obviously this the whole nation is just going nuts about this whole thing of people kneeling during the national anthem. Now you and I interact a little bit, not as often as I'd like, but um, I've seen some of your posts. Could you tell us a little bit about your your thoughts and feelings about this whole issue? I try to maintain a little bit of indifference because what the flag represents is the opportunity to be, one of the things the flag represents is the opportunity to be able to express yourself under freedom. So I, I do try to maintain indifference. I do have an opinion about it. However, it's not something that I've really parted with too many people, maybe my wife. <laughs> and the reason is is to avoid argument, yeah. um, to avoid that type of confrontation, but also to try to present myself as being respectful of other people's ways that they can express themselves. Let me ask you a question. When being in the Marines, um, and I've always heard once a Marine, always a Marine, uh, would you yep. say that's true? <laughs> Absolutely. So when you see the flag and you hear the national anthem, what type of emotional response happened inside inside of you? Um, it's most of the time it's pride. It's being able to recognize that I served under such a blanket uh, to be able that I, I'm just a, a vague portion of the fabric that that is made up of. Seeing the flag is is pride in my country, pride of my service, and pride of those around me. Now it's it's almost inexplicable. Well, and I but I appreciate the perspective um, because it helps. I want to understand because obviously I'm not a person of color and I have never been in the military. 
So we find a lot of ourselves having very strong opinions about this this issue and this topic. And we really, I mean, like, that's great that you think that, Mr. White Man, who's never been in the military. So why, that's why we're bringing on someone like Coach D, someone like yourself. So you see that, could you tell me about that type of pride? Because sometimes pride is seen as a negative thing in the Christian community. Pride comes before a fall, negative connotations with pride. How is this a positive type of pride for you? Um, the pride is being able to take uh, perhaps a, a little bit of responsibility for what the flag represents. The pride is being able to uh, to, to say that that I stood up, that I that I joined the military. I was in the Marine Corps, um, and and I think that pride might be it definitely defined by other Marines will be different from mine. But in addition, the other service is going to be defined a little bit different as well. One important thing to know about the flag, when you're in the military, a lot of people get this education when they're in the military about the flag, but the flag is almost treated as a person. And everyone knows that there's a customs of saluting officers or people of high regard, high respect within the military, but the flag gets a salute as well. In addition, you treat that flag as a person. You don't allow it to, to, to tumble to the floor, to the ground. It's given a very high-regarded position, and that ultimately it's higher than the president as far as the respects regarded by the military. Because of that ingraining or that education to the military of what that flag represents, certain people will hold on to it and certain people will just forget about it. But because of that, what we're taught that flag represents, that's why there's such, uh, that's one reason for such respects that's held to the flag. So the, and that, that's actually going to be my next question, is to what extent in the military is this taught to the respect for the flag? I imagine there's a certain amount going in, but it sounds like it's very specifically taught to respect the flag in the military itself. It is. There's um, within the Marine Corps, within there, there's several series of classes that you have to take, and, and you're hustled in, and it's almost like a college-type um, uh, set up where the desks are affixed, bench type seating, and it's you're focused on an instructor. Several hours can be voted, devoted to military courtesies, customs, and subjects, and one of them is the flag, and that's where you learn you learn how to call it. And it's not referred to typically as a flag either; it's referred to as the national ensign. Um, an ensign in the Navy is an officer. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not particular to why it's called the National Ensign, except it's also the National Colors, the National Standard. There's just several names for a flag by which the military will go ahead and, and uh, port, uh, call it. So why did you decide to give four years of your life in, in the military and service to the country of America? Um, it'd be nice to be able to say that I felt such a deep regard for my country. I wanted to pay back for all that I had known up to my 18 years. It'd be nice to say something like that. But the true honesty of it is I didn't at the time know what else to do. And knowing that the regard my father, my grandfather's on both sides, um, we've always been somewhat of a patriotic family. Because of the regard my family held toward the military, I decided I should probably go into the military. So for you, what does the flag, the flag represents America, of course, but can you, can you go a little bit deeper? Like what does the flag represent for you? What's, what's, what does that mean? Um, the flag, it, 
for us the 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 American flag is a standard or a symbol by which others have made ultimate sacrifices to the country to allow its continuance. The flag doesn't have to be based on the fact that somebody gave their life for something greater, but it could be that they, they gave a limb or they just gave several years of service. Okay. Uh, to me, it's it's an establishment of a brotherhood from way back when I, be way before my grandparents had even been thought of. Um, it's a simple thing that allowed this country to continue to go forward. Um, there's, it's just, I kind of get lost in trying to explain it. There's a lot there. So if really you, is. if you would be, I know you, and you, like you said, you've kind of made it a point not to go too deep into this, but now I'm asking you on a podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about what you feel about this whole thing about people kneeling during the national anthem? I think it's the improper venue. Okay. I believe if uh, people are willing to, to bring attention toward a cause, willing to bring attention towards something that they view needs to be addressed, they should take that opportunity and go into something that uh, specifically applies. When you think of, if you think of a lot of the guys who were, uh, especially World War One, World War Two, uh, probably less World War One as of this time, yeah. but World War Two, uh, Vietnam, Korea, and Vietnam era veterans, and extending into uh, the first skirmish out in the uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Kuwait, Iraq, Somalia, and then go ahead and take into you know for the most part uh, the the, the current generation as they're going to Iraq and Afghanistan. Those types of people who have served, they're a vast number. They're a huge number. But the older ones, the older generation of Vietnam, Korea, World War II, when they see somebody sitting or kneeling during the national anthem, it chaps their hide, it burns them. They don't give too much thought because the first thing they think of it's going to be similar to, to my own father. If you don't look him in the eye when you talk to him, it's a form of disrespect. So my question for you is, since you mentioned that um, that it's not the proper venue, what would you say is the proper venue? Because a lot of these players and the cause of which they represent, they see this as a peaceful protest. They see this as, okay, so they're not out in the streets. They're not violent. They're not looting. They're just simply kneeling, and they're not doing so, they think, in a manner that disrespects the flag. So since this is not the proper venue, what venue should they use if they feel as if every other venue has been exhausted and with no results? Not being fully educated on exactly what it is that they're trying to project by kneeling, mm -hmm. for one, they're going to have the people who do feel that kneeling is the best answer, I would say, you know, narrow down what it is. What is your focus? Is it Black Lives Matter? Is it the fact that you believe cop or police force is too brutal within America? Maybe go ahead and first narrow your uh, your subject, and at that point, then go ahead and maybe figure out a venue that's going to be more effective. Um, you can answer kind of the same question. If I want to address homelessness on the streets and I feel that we're not doing enough, is my proper venue to address homelessness on the streets to go work in a soup kitchen 
or would my voice better be served by standing clothless in the middle of a public street? Well, nobody wants that. No, certainly not. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, one thing just to think about, I I mentioned it briefly, and I, I didn't know this before this took place, but I was doing a little bit of research on this, and I, and I understand what you're saying into the point of, like, like someone like yourself, you are an NFL fan, you, are, you were in the military, and you're like saying to yourself, like, I'm not exactly sure why they're doing this. I'm not exactly sure what their point is. Um, but just kind of one thing I thought was interesting is the whole idea to kneel was actually something that Colin Kaepernick came up with, a guy who was a Green Beret. Um, and they thought it would be a peaceful, respectful way to uh, protest because Colin was sitting on a bench um, before uh, preseason games, and he talked with this guy, uh, Nate Boyer, and that that was something they came up with together. What do you what do you have any thoughts on that? Well, Green Berets are Army, and I'm a Marine, so I'm better. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Uh, my wife has given me a look. She was in the Army. She's a six-year veteran. <laughs> <laughs> You're in trouble. Um, does that and, you know, it? Does that, does, that affect, does that affect your opinion of it at all? Or No, not in particular, because okay. Colin Kaepernick, as he begun his protest, did not gain much attention at all in the, in the first. Uh, whether he was sitting down or kneeling the first several several times that they actually aired those games, yeah, nobody really took notice until later. But who was it that took notice and who blasted him out? Um, if prior to that the facts had been known, I'm sure the view might be a little bit different, but you're still going to have a vast majority of people shaking their head and saying oh, yeah. he's being disrespectful. Yeah, and then, um, as far as knowing that his uh, that that was set up, you know, possibly in conjunction with the Greenberry, somebody else who's who served, doesn't really carry a whole lot of weight with me because I don't view Mr. Kaepernick as somebody who's still utilizing the proper venue to bring in attention to somebody or to to a subject that he feels needs to be resolved. Yeah, and I and I again I. I thank you for being on the show. I know you're running low on time here, so I respect that. Um, thank you so much for being on the on our podcast, and you and I will talk soon, my friend. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you asking me to call in. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. We'll see you later, man. All right now. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So there you have it, Chad. Um, I've known Jeremy for probably about 10 years now, 10, 11 years and uh, he's been a really good friend and has walked through me through some of the darkest times in my life. And, uh, again, I have a lot of respect for him. But what what are some of your thoughts on what he's talking about and from that military, really military patriotic perspective? Well, I think that, first of all, that it is important for us to understand that this is a constitutional right. And no no matter whether or not we agree or disagree with it, which I happen to lean towards his analogy that this is not the proper venue. Okay. Uh, I don't think that this is the proper venue for something like that. But yet at the same time, I understand it is their constitutional right to do so. And in addition to that, the argument is what else can they do? African-Americans have rioted. They've had Martin Luther King. They've had several situations to where they've had to somehow express their frustrations none of it has worked martin luther king's peaceful protests were the closest thing to it 
And even though law was changed, people's hearts were still not. And I think that's evident right now with um, what's been popping up since um, Donald Trump has been elected. I don't want to say whether or not Trump is a racist, but I think definitely for sure since he's been elected, racism has come to the surface. So whether or not this is the proper venue or not, to me, it's like their hands are tied. They don't know. They don't know what else to do. These African-Americans are looking at Colin Kaepernick as a leader who is bringing, he's exposing the situation, he's bringing it to the surface. But I don't like the venue. It's a difficult situation because I don't like to see people in the military feel like they're being disrespected. And I can understand your point and Jeremy's point where what else are we supposed to do? But the core issue, of course, is the heart. And I, I, I don't think I've told this story on my podcast before, but not too long ago I was going to um, a place to watch a football game where I knew everyone there that was watching the game. And there was a young man there. And I had gotten there a little bit late, and he'd been there a little while. And uh, he's in his upper teens, early 20s or so. And, and I walked in the middle of his rant of, there's no such thing as racism. There is, uh, there's none of these, none of these black people have ever been slaves, so what's their problem? I've never been, I've never owned a slave, so we just need to put all this behind us, blah, blah, blah. And my question for him is, have you talked to an African-American about what they've gone through? I don't know. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't and, I, and I think I did mention this with the, the episode when J.R. Pittman was on um, last year. But racism is alive and well, and I feel like if you are discounting that, A, you're probably not listening to this podcast anymore because we very much believe racism is very, very alive and well. And all like Coach D was saying, all of these things are just, putting a magnifying glass on the problem. People are coming out of the woodworks here showing that they are indeed racist and they do believe that, that white people are superior to people of color. And of course that is a huge, huge problem in this nation and certainly within the church as well. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, um, I'm, I'm afraid you have a problem. If you, if you don't think black people or people of color are not of equal value and, of course, almost no one would say that, but it comes out in actions. It comes out in votes. It comes out in responses about racism. When people say, hey, this has happened to me, and you either choose to say, no, you're lying or you're exaggerating. Or another thing I saw on Facebook the other day was someone saying, black people think everything is about race. And that's, if, if we're going to have that point of view, and that's a mindset. The challenging thing is how do we change that mindset? And to kneel during a national sporting event, I think you're right, is they're saying, I don't know what else we can do. Because the other thing we do is we shame athletes for, like Michael Jordan got a whole lot of flack because he never used his position as a superstar to really address anything. Right. So, you know, it's like darned if they do, darned if they don't. Um, but, of course, anytime you're in the national spotlight, you're going to make people angry no matter what you do. I think the NFL is going to be paying quite the price for that right now because on one hand you have Colin Kaepernick who's not playing for a team anymore no. and you have African-Americans who are boycotting the NFL until he gets onto a team, which is a difficult thing because then if you force him onto a team, then yeah. which team are you going to force him on, blah, blah, blah. 
But yeah, at the same time, now you have white conservatives who are going to start boycotting the NFL because the whole entire teams, in some cases, knelt in protest to something that Donald Trump tweeted. So you've got the poor NFL is in the middle of this, and what can they do? Well, it, it, you're right, because what's happening now is this whole issue is now becoming very, very political, and it's almost now Donald Trump versus the NFL almost. And now Donald Trump is apparently blaming Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, saying that this is you know, basically saying this is his fault. He's, he's running too loose of a ship. And so now you have a lot of players, and of course – the NFL is in, there's thousands of people who are in the NFL and I'm sure a lot of them aren't fully up to what's going on here. And now they're just mad at Donald Trump because they are SOBs who should be fired. And so now you have a lot of people. It's not, sometimes it feels like it's not even about racism. They're protesting what he said, which is kind of like you've been implying, which is exactly what I was implying because a lot of these players never knelt before. They never even thought of it. Probably they may even have been opposed to it. It wasn't until the president said something that they felt the necessity to say, hey, you're wrong. Well, and, and in our, in Mind our, your own business. And in our podcast, our, you know, our, our point isn't to try to tell you how you're supposed to think. All right, what we're trying to do is give differing points of view so that you can have rational, reasonable conversations. Stop posting super you know, controversial stuff on Facebook and get into arguments with people. But no matter what side you're on, listen to people on the other side so you have a little bit of perspective. So what is your take? Well, I want to go into a little bit here of some of the facts here. And you can you can Google this stuff yourself. It's out there. And the problem is, is that people just want to listen to outraged, inflamed voices. And that they want to make decisions based on whatever echo chamber they may be a part of. I want to say something about that. There are people who are getting outraged based upon memes that are not even true. Wow. I'm sorry. That really bugs me. It's like if you go to snoops.com and then you find out these memes are not true, but people are reposting and reposting, reposting as if they are truth. I know. They're not. So it's Snopes, not Snoops. But anyway. Okay, Snopes, not Snoops. I thought <laughs> well, it was Snoops. It's Snopes. But anyway, it's S-N-O-P-E-S. But any. Either way, then the other thing is is that people are like, well, you can't trust Snopes because they're too liberal. Snopes is inaccurate. Well, then truthandfiction.com. There's another one. There's oh, there's several of them out there. And But the thing is today, we won't go into this, but the thing, Chad, is this. If you don't agree with it, now it's just fake news anyway. Mm, yeah, I guess that's something not, else that's been brought up. Before 2009, players weren't even standing on the side for the national anthem. They could if they wanted to. But they started to, there's this whole idea of paid patriotism. And the, uh, the, the military started paying the NFL to get players out there standing for the national anthem. Between 2011 and 2014, the NFL was paid $5.4 million to have the players out there and to have military flyovers and things like that because they were trying to recruit. Now, is this effective recruiting? Yeah, I think it's pretty brilliant. Right. I mean, as far as from that very that viewpoint, we need more people in the military who watches NFL games more than anybody else. You know, mm-hmm. young men more right. than anything else and, uh, and, and, and women, too. And so this paid patriotism, I think, has probably been enormously successful. But I think we need to before we have these super strong opinions about 
what do these athletes intend? Um, I read a thing on Facebook the other day about this woman who was like, you know, Colin Kaepernick specifically chose the American flag because he was trying to disrespect it. And that's just not true. If you listen and look at, look at what he said, and it's, again, it's gone way beyond Colin Kaepernick at this point, but that Colin Kaepernick was trying to protest police brutality. If you look at some of the earliest things he said about why he was doing this, he's like, I have a hard time standing for a flag in a nation that represents this brutality that's being perpetrated by the actual government, which are police officers. And it's not to say all police officers are bad, but of course there's bad police officers. There's there's bad podcast hosts too, too apparently. So, are you implying you're a bad podcast host? I don't know. Maybe I try not to be. I try Do to you be need good. some attention? <laughs> Always, Dave. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Okay, okay. Now you just need to calm down. I'm, I'm calm. See, listen to this, I'll okay? Listen. Okay. Listen to your fans. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. They appreciate you. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Woo. Wow. I would say this is a standing ovation. Yeah. You can make that happen anytime you want. I can. It's because I'm an eye, and eye is in the disc profile. That's just how we are. We need, we need, uh, we need a little love. And uh, so the other interesting thing about all this is that the NBA now has made a rule that their players are not allowed to kneel during the national anthem or coaches. The rule is that they have to stand. I don't know if that's going to go to. I don't think that's going to be very successful, but I'm well, they're gonna sure find, we're going to find out. Find the heck out of them is what they'll do. The NFL apparently does not have a rule about standing on the sidelines. Um, the NFL has a policy and that's where in a large organization like that it gets a little bit murky as to and legally what can they what type can they fire people for that? I don't know, but I do know that the NFL's rule does not say that they can't take a knee. What it says is they have to be present during the national anthem. So if you're hearing that the NFL has a policy that says, hey, they have to stand during the national anthem that's just not true they have to be present that's okay. how it's worded so this isn't going to go away anytime soon and i know a lot of people are already sick of it i am sick of it i mean yeah you want to watch football watching football to kind of get away and have fun you ask what my personal opinion was and i support the players kneeling and i support people educating themselves as to why they're kneeling I don't believe that the players are trying to spit on the American flag. I don't believe the players are trying to disrespect veterans. I completely understand why veterans think they're being disrespected and why they, they feel that way because I did not know this. Jeremy was very enlightening to me that there are actual classes kind of like promoting patriotism in the, in the military, which makes sense. Um, and I can see where that's so closely tied to their service and what they did and even their personal identity, I could see where that would be very offensive. And I'm hoping that, although there are many veterans, there's even a, there's even a hashtag out there for veterans who stand, which is kind of funny. They stand for kneeling. They're with the people kneeling. There is a World War II vet that recently has come to light with the great world of social media who World War II vet is like absolutely these guys I fought so that they could protest for things like this, and he doesn't see it as them spitting on the flag or disrespecting the military or the country, just trying to get people's attention and say, hey, 
we have a problem and I want you to pay attention because we're not going to go away quietly. So that's why I respect the player's right. And I, is it the best venue? Possibly no, because so much other stuff gets involved, but it is doing what it was meant to do, and that's getting lots of attention and lots of people talking about this. And one thing I do believe is people do need to be talking about this because it's really, really important. What do you think of that? I think that, yes, it is time to move on from protesting to taking action. Agreed. And what really, and I've posted this on Facebook before, and I may have even said this on the show, when it comes to Black Lives Matter or kneeling or protesting because the police may have been brutal towards African Americans, and some would say, well, they're criminals, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. What my point is is this. You have a race of people who are Americans, whether you agree with the fact that they are oppressed or not, they feel that way. Absolutely. And I so, think they are. So, the which, I, which I also think. Um, so if your child is depressed and feels like nobody likes them, what do you do? You try to make the, you do what you can for your child. Right. You try to make them feel like that's not true. You try to make them, you try to show them that they are accepted and that they are loved. Well, here we have our brothers in this country, whether you see an African American as your brother or sister or not, they feel oppressed. So come around them and show them, improve them that they're not. And then Black Lives Matter becomes obsolete because they'll feel like their life matters. And right now, obviously, there are millions and millions of people of color who do not feel like their lives matter, and they have ample evidence, in my opinion. And you can argue and scream about it all day long, but do this. Do this for me. Get relationships with people with, that are not like you. Listen to opposing viewpoints in a respectful way. Enter into dialogue and conversation so that you understand the other side, whether that's Republican or Democrat, Black Lives Matter, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I do seek it. I get flack for this on Facebook because they're like, no, no, no. I will never stand for people who, you know, are so full of hatred. And it's like, which not, you're just adding to their hatred by doing I that. I know. I'm like, I'm not asking you to go find someone saluting to a Nazi flag or a white supremacist, someone burning a cross. I'm asking you to find someone who says, you know, I think this is disrespectful. It really upsets me that they're kneeling during the national anthem. They're not burning a flag. It doesn't mean they're racist. They probably voted, maybe voted for Trump. Find someone like that. Have a conversation with them. And then, likewise, I have a lot of really conservative friends, one who posted on Facebook, NFL, no fans left, and they're outraged by this, this whole display of disrespect. Go talk to someone like Coach D, who is like, no, 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 you don't understand. Help get education, get knowledge, and build relationships with people that aren't like you. Specifically, people who are not of the same race. Yes. So you can hear their stories and hear why they believe what they believe. And you may even find yourself thinking twice about what you believe because yeah. of the stories that they tell. Well, and it's like, it's what Jesus did. Jesus went and hung around people to the point of, they're like, Master, why are you hanging around these terrible people? We think they're awful. And Jesus is like, absolutely not. These people have value and they, they, they need love and acceptance. And again, that, that opens up a whole other can of worms. And it wasn't like he was saying everything they did was okay, but he was just saying that they're worthy of love. And we've got to do that, especially as followers of Christ. We've got to enter into relationships with people 
that maybe we don't understand and even get angry with. And that's, we've got to become unified as the church. Amen. And that's important. So we're going to end the uh, podcast on that note. Um, appreciate you listening. We would appreciate it also if you would just spread the word about our podcast. If you enjoy listening to it, we, we need to hear from you. We need to hear how you need to hear about how we can get better. We need to hear about the things that we're doing well, because as you heard, I need lots of uh, attention and I need lots of uh, validation. <laughs> and no, but seriously, we want to make sure we're doing a good job out here on the podcast because we feel these are important topics need to be talked about. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to suggest a topic either. Yeah, I, we have a real quiet Facebook community. We've got a Facebook page, and I put questions out, and we just need to hear from our listeners. We need them to post stuff. They need to answer questions, and I need to do a better job of posting stuff on Facebook as well, and we do need to do a better job of recording more consistently. So we're going to try our best to do that, fans, uh, listeners. Again, we're on Facebook. The name of the podcast is An Open Letter. And we are also on SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes. We also have an email, which is an open letter to you at gmail.com. And instead of T-O and an open letter to you, it's the number two. So we hope to hear from you. We're going to keep doing this. We're having fun. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>